Stay up to date on the groundbreaking tests and solutions powering the healthcare system. You're listening to Diagnostic Dialogues from Quest Diagnostics. Here's your host, Dr. Pat Alicia. Welcome back to Diagnostic Dialogue, innovation and insight presented by Quest Diagnostics, where we speak with top researchers, doctors, and thought leaders about the hottest topics in healthcare, from the latest in cutting-edge research to what's coming next in the world of diagnostic medicine. This is your inside track on the engines that power the healthcare ecosystem. Hello, I'm your host, Dr. Pat Alaja, and today I'm speaking with my good friend, Dr. Darren Wheeler. Dr. Wheeler is the Vice President of Pathology and Medical Services at Quest Diagnostics, and he joins me today to talk about the frontiers and the future of anatomic pathology as we move into digital pathology and artificial intelligence as ways to improve our diagnosis of disease, but most importantly, to improve patient care and outcomes. Welcome to the show, Dr. Wheeler. Can you tell us about the work that you do as an anatomic pathologist as distinctly different than maybe a clinical pathologist? Sure. So the anatomic pathologist is really focused on tissue and cytologic samples from patients. And so many times, as we know, you're a patient going in for care. They may tell you you have a lump or a bump that maybe needs a biopsy. At that time, you may have some blood work done that blood work is all going to the clinical side of the lab. So maybe there's lead chemistries and things that they're doing in your general overall health workup. But that tissue biopsy, or if they aspirate cells, a cytologic sample, those are the things that go to an anatomic pathologist. And we're really focused, like all pathology, on the study of disease. In that biopsy sample, there may be many forms of disease. Some are cancerous, some are non-cancerous. And the anatomic pathologist is really focused on that. And I will say that in that world of anatomic pathology, you think that these samples can come from anywhere in the body. There is a tremendous amount of disease that can take place anywhere in the body. So many times the anatomic pathologist will subspecialize. And so you may hear anatomic pathologists who are not only looking at general pathology, but they are specialized in just looking at breast pathology or skin pathology or other disease sites so that they may be looking at all forms of pathology, but when they have a special expertise or they focus their study of the literature in a particular area. So all of your colleagues are, for the most part, getting tissue that's prepared, that's being stained, chemicals being applied to it, and then you're looking at it under a microscope. That's correct. Ultimately, whether you're looking at a small biopsy or a large surgical resection, All of those tissues or cytologic samples are being taken and they're being placed onto a glass slide and we look at those under a microscope. And so with a breast cancer or a prostate cancer or an ovarian tumor, how many slides will you look at in order to make the diagnosis? So again, that will vary. A small biopsy may be a single glass slide, whereas if you're looking at a big, large cancer resection, Those can be many trays of slides, and each tray holds 20 slides. So it's very intense work, obviously. And so it sounds very similar to what we've been doing for a long time in pathology or a long time in medicine, taking tissue out, cutting it up in sections, staining it, and then putting it on slides. Now we're talking about digitizing that, adding a technological piece to that, as well as adding artificial intelligence on top of that. Why is that a good idea? So it's actually greatly beneficial. What do you do when you're having a challenging case and you want to share it? 
If you're looking at glass slides, you have to package them up and mail them off. Now, you may have a colleague sitting next to you or in the same lab as you that you can go share with, and that's great. But I think ultimately what we'd really like to be able to do is share any disease state with an expert in that disease state. And that would obviously give the best overall patient care and assure accuracy and quality of diagnosis. So if we're able to take these glass slides and digitize them and then have the whole patient sample as a digital image that can easily be shared, you can imagine that now we can, within minutes, share that digital image across a network to a pathologist that's an expert in that disease state sitting anywhere, not just in the lab that you're in. Now, Darren, given what I know about you, you've always been on the cutting edge of medicine. Are your other colleagues as interested in digital pathology as you are? Oh, absolutely. And I think everyone who starts to hear more about the technologies that are being added to digital pathology become even more excited because they realize that it's really not about a pathologist being able to sit on a beach somewhere and look at patient samples. It's really about the idea of the technology that can be added to the digital samples, i.e. artificial intelligence, that will make them more efficient and more accurate in the diagnoses that they're rendering. So I'm going to get to artificial intelligence here in a minute. I want to hold with this idea of digital pathology. Does it improve patient care and does it improve better access to your experts? Yes, because I think what patients need to understand is that wherever they're having their biopsy sample taken or if they're in a hospital having a surgical resection, the pathologists that are looking at those samples are usually local to where that care is taking place. So it's the local lab in town or it's the lab within that hospital setting. I'll use breast cancer as an example. So if you're a woman who has breast cancer, your breast cancer may be being diagnosed by a pathologist who is not an expert in breast cancer, but they happen to be the pathologist assigned within that hospital or within that laboratory receiving the tissue. And that occurs quite frequently. I think if you're a patient, you would want to have at least a second opinion, if not that primary pathologist looking at your case as being an expert in your particular type of cancer. And we tried as best as we can to involve our subspecialty experts in diagnosis, but sometimes they're not local to the practice or easily available. And so digital pathology really changes that dynamic where suddenly we can offer an expert in any disease state to the appropriate patient, regardless of if a pathologist sitting at that local lab is an expert in that area. It's really an improvement in patient care. So do you envision a time where you'll have a network of digital pathology specialists, for instance, in urology or GI or neuro, that can be spread across the United States or across the globe? Absolutely. In fact, when we think about Quest Diagnostics, we're one of the largest anatomic pathology providers, over 370 pathologists. And although we have 370 pathologists, digital pathology will now offer us that true value of being able to send pathology work to any of our subspecialists across the nation anywhere. And in cases where they are so challenging, they require a next level of expertise, we are able to share our digital images outside of our network to a particular expert in a particular type of cancer if needed, or to transfer images to wherever a patient goes for their care. And is the integrity of the image when you put it in the digital form as good as what you get with a slide? 
Yeah, some people that have been using digital pathology for some time would say even better because depending on the level of the scan, the quality and the depth of the resolution is so good that people feel like it is better than what they can get at the highest magnification on a microscope. So it sounds to me like even large academic medical centers who have expertise in certain diseases or large health systems or even large community hospitals will benefit from digital pathology in terms of patient care. Is that correct? Definitely. So what kind of infrastructure do you need to set up a digital path platform? So obviously you need high quality scanners that are reliable, that can scan these slides at a depth of imaging that is appropriate for the highest quality of review and diagnosis. And there are a number of scanners out there on the market. Those are constantly evolving. The first FDA approved one was by Philips, but there have been many companies out there that have scanners that are of that high quality. So once you have that scanner, then you need, of course, to train the personnel to aid with that scanning. And there's a number of kind of quality factors that go into review of these scans to make sure that you're outputting quality images, just like we do in the lab today, reviewing the microscopic slides to make sure that there's quality slide output to the pathologist. And then you need an image server, which takes these images and then provides them over a network to the pathologist to review. And the software applications have numerous different features for measuring, for magnifying, identifying certain things on those digital images. And so there's a varying degree of software applications that go on top of those digital images that are out there as well. It sounds like this is going to be a great addition to tumor boards, really, anywhere in the country. Would that be correct? Yeah, so we've been doing tumor boards for some time, and since we are doing most of the diagnoses on glass slides at the microscope, you can take a picture of it and you share pictures of images, and most tumor boards are sharing those digital pictures. But you're right, what we allow with digital pathology, you now can have these whole slide images where you could share a tumor board where it's having the microscopic slide under a microscope where you can go to higher power and lower power and navigate around the slide to really share the full image of that cancer or whatever tissue that you're looking at in those tumor boards. Is there a generational difference that you see between the pathologist who grew up with slides, the ones who are now using digital, or is it pretty easy to move from glass slides to digital? I would say it's fairly easy. I mean, there definitely is a learning curve for those of us who have spent the last 20 years looking at glass slides. But I think it's really just getting used to the navigation tools to move the images around. And once people get that level of comfort, I think they prefer the digital due to the resolution and the ability to share images with their colleagues. Aren't you going to miss the microscope if digital takes over? There are certain things like polarization and things like the microscope can do to add on like an overlay that you still want to go back to a microscope for. And some people looking for certain kinds of infectious microorganisms still prefer to use a microscope. But I think all of that will eventually be able to be addressed by the technology. I think once people are using it, the flexibility to be remote And again, as I keep mentioning, the ability to share images across a network to all of your pathologist colleagues, I think is just so easy to do and makes such flexibility in your workday. I think people prefer the digital. Let me pivot here a little bit to the artificial intelligence piece of this. What does that mean to you? Could you share with the audience what artificial intelligence means when you're using digital path? 
when you think of just digital pathology broadly, it's simply taking those glass slides, scanning them into a digital image, and now you're just looking at an image that you can move around and you can magnify instead of a glass slide. But the other exciting thing is artificial intelligence, where once you have your glass slide now as a digital image, you can apply so many different things to that digital image. And so what you can have is a computer that can be analyzing those digital images before they reach the pathologist or after the pathologist has a chance to look at that sample and really add a lot of additional valuable information. And the most exciting thing about it is the fact that as the computer learns by looking at these digital images, it becomes available to make a diagnosis even on its own. And so it can alert the pathologist that certain cases are cancer. It can prevent the pathologist from maybe overcalling something as cancer that was actually benign. It can help you identify certain features within those cancers or help identify certain things that need to be part of the pathology report for a cancer so that the patient has the appropriate treatment. So all of those things are under the rubric of artificial intelligence. So what happens if you, as the board-certified genius pathologist, disagrees with the artificial intelligence, with the computer? How do you reconcile that? Yeah, so I will say today, we're not letting the computer make a diagnosis on its own. Today, essentially, it's kind of like the computer may be doing a screen or an overlay review. So ultimately, it is still the pathologist that is rendering that diagnosis. However, if I was looking at a case and I thought, hey, this looks like a breast cancer and the computer is saying, I'm not really sure this is cancer, that might be helpful in that it would make me think, hmm, the computer is disagreeing with me. This computer has a lot of experience. This algorithm is very powerful. Maybe this is a case that I really need to take to another expert to look at and get their opinion. Whereas before, maybe I just would assign that case off. And if I was wrong, then that would lead to a patient's wrong diagnosis and wrong therapy. So I think it's helpful in that it's like having someone looking over your shoulder and kind of steering you in the right direction. So it's augmenting your intelligence and not necessarily replacing it. Absolutely. I don't think we're going to see artificial intelligence replace a pathologist. There will always be that need for that expertise and the guidance. And pathologists are ultimately what is helping to inform these artificial intelligence algorithms. I'd also think that it's going to help you enhance your diagnosis because you're not going to miss things. When you're looking at slide after slide after slide and doing that hours on end, it could happen that one of those sneaky little breast cancer cells has just been missed or an endometrial cancer or a cervical. And it's not because you meant to miss it. It's just because you could have been tired or you could have been overwhelmed or it's just too small to see amidst this ocean of tissue. Will the artificial intelligence help you enhance your ability to identify these cancers that are hidden? Absolutely. I think there's always human error in healthcare and a computer never gets tired. So that's absolutely one of the benefits. We have to remember that these artificial intelligence algorithms are informed by thousands and thousands of slides with known diagnoses in order to develop these algorithms. They're very good at identifying maybe small occult cancers or other things, like you said, that could be easily missed. And so on a long day and you're looking at lots and lots of slides, 
it's going to be extremely helpful to have these algorithms kind of looking over your shoulder to make sure some of these smaller things aren't missed. I'd also think that it's going to keep you fresher throughout the day because you'll be working with your AI buddy, if you will. Absolutely. The thing I'd really emphasize is there are some laboratories where there may only be a single pathologist or maybe there's only two, but one is on vacation. And so the fact that nobody is going to be alone and you're always going to have this algorithm looking with you really is an improvement in patient care. I love the fact that you say a million minds are going into creating these algorithms and probably billions of slides and billions and billions of data points are going into creating these algorithms. Do you find it more comforting or more disconcerting to be working closely with these algorithms? Oh, I think it's definitely a comfort. If you look back at new technologies that have come along in pathology, the ones that I would point out would be immunistic chemistry. These are antibody stains that help identify certain types of tissue, perhaps can help as a biomarker stain that can help with treatment selection for patients. Then we had molecular pathology come along that can actually look at the genetic makeup of some of these tumors. Some of those genes are related to targeted therapies now that we have in cancer. With every step of new technology, pathologists have really embraced it and moved forward because they know that they're improving healthcare by doing so. And so I see digital pathology and in particular artificial intelligence as the next level. So now we're going to have these algorithms that can help us be more accurate and consistent in our diagnoses. And that's gonna improve equity in patient care. And in addition, those artificial intelligence algorithms are gonna be informed by all these technologies before, these different antibody stains, molecular pathology, and these algorithms are gonna learn how to predict what these stains would show, what these molecular testing would show, just based on that initial slide. And that will allow us to be faster and more efficient at providing these diagnoses and getting patients onto therapy sooner. So with that, I think all pathologists really embrace the idea of using these algorithms and are excited about doing so. I think the patient would appreciate the fact that you're being assisted by millions of minds and billions of data points as you tell them they're free of cancer or that there's a small cancer that we need to treat. And that's reassuring. Again, across the board, because you're leveling the playing field so that everybody has equal access to the best minds on the planet when it comes to looking at their tissue. And that means so much because as physicians, we don't want to miss anything because the patient's the one who's at risk. Absolutely. Where do you think we go from here with digital pathology, deep learning, algorithms? What does it look like over the next five or 10 years? It seems like it's moving pretty fast. It is moving very fast, especially at the 10-year time frame. Not only will we be using artificial intelligence as part of routine clinical practice, but in certain disease states, I see it becoming standard of care. I think that when you look at where artificial intelligence is going, it's going beyond just helping us to diagnose cancer or certain features of cancer. It's actually going to biomarker discovery in the research and development space, It's going to help us with treatment selection. We hear a lot about companion diagnostics. These are basically drugs that are tied to benefit only when certain features of a tumor are present. And so you can imagine artificial intelligence is primed to be the way that we identify some of these features that predict benefit for these patients using certain drugs. So all of that 
is really going to move forward very quickly. And we're going to see a lot more development in that space. And how do you see us becoming more sophisticated in our understanding of disease states when you're still fundamentally looking at stains or using artificial intelligence to look at all the digital pieces of the tissue? Will this be used as an entry point for AI to then move over to the clinical side and say we need some molecular tests to be done on this stain? Yeah, so I think there's kind of two different paths. The artificial intelligence is not really going to be just looking at the tissue slides. It's going to be looking at all the patient information, the patient clinical history, as well as what's on that glass slide and putting it all together in a way that we never could before as a big data set. So you can imagine that I'm going to be able to look at someone's breast cancer and the artificial intelligence is going to say, I agree with you. I do think that's cancer. So now we have that concurrence. And then that same algorithm is going to tell me this is the grade of this person's cancer. This is the size of this person's cancer. These are other features, X, Y, and Z that should be part of the cancer report. And I've already analyzed those for you. And then it's going to say, and based on what I've gathered from this patient's radiologic information, their clinical information, and looking back at the last 5,000 patients that you've diagnosed with identical features as I'm seeing in this breast cancer, this patient would probably best be treated with these types of drugs or just surgery alone, et cetera, and all of that will come together. So it's mind-boggling to think about where we'll probably be in 10 years where all of this information can happen for a, one particular patient will get not only my experience, but the experience of 10,000 other patients who have the exact same tumor under the microscope and knowing how those patients did on various different types of therapies to predict what is the best therapy moving forward for this patient. So it is definitely a vast improvement in the way that we care for patients today. So who will be managing the integrated care of that patient? So you as a digital pathologist, AI specialist, will have an understanding of the tissue, you'll have the clinical biomarkers, and you'll have the algorithm that's probably going to include family history, genetic profile, the medications they're on. Who puts all that together and says, okay, this is what's best for you, Mr. X or Ms. Y? I think the care of the patient will always still remain as part of a multidisciplinary team. But I think what you're describing there is the fact that the pathologic diagnosis has always been the basis of how a patient will end up ultimately being treated. And that's why it's so important. And that's why this whole digital pathology, artificial intelligence is so important, because if we improve the quality and accuracy of diagnosis, we know downstream the patient gets the appropriate therapy. That being said, as more of these artificial intelligence algorithms come together, I think we're going to take a, a forefront role in creating a comprehensive cancer report that includes all this information, the diagnosis, the other features needed for therapy, perhaps even biomarkers or genetics that inform what therapy would work best. And that is all provided to an oncologist who will ultimately decide 
the therapy that this patient will undergo. And because it's going to take in so much information as well as having that patient interaction, patient history, I think pathology will still really be around providing the information to who will ultimately provide the treatment. But I think we're going to provide such a more robust, comprehensive report using these technologies than we ever had before. I'd say it's going to go beyond cancer, too. It's going to be a comprehensive disease management report for maybe Alzheimer's or ALS or osteoporosis, polycystic ovarian disease. I mean, any number of things. As we're wrapping up here, Darren, can you take us along memory lane a little bit? What was it like when you were training? What's it like now? And then what do you see over the next five or 10 years? When I trained, ultimately went to a university, got a big stack of slides to look at on my desk and started looking through a book, matching up pictures in a book with what I was seeing under the microscope, then bringing my questions to a mentor who had many years of experience and would tell me what I was looking at right, wrong, et cetera. And you just slowly developed your eye for looking at different types of tissues, different types of diseases. And then ultimately in my training, I specialize in gynecologic and breast pathology. So looking at a lot of different gynecologic tumors, a lot of different breast tumors, a lot of different non-tumor or non-neoplastic tissues for different types of diseases in those tissues. And just really between reading a lot of scientific papers, looking at a lot of books, and those days not digital books, we're talking big 15-pound textbooks. Robbins. Yeah, absolutely. And then working with your professors to help guide you, that is how I ultimately trained. And then in my practice over the course of the years, these new stains started to come out that, hey, when I saw a breast cancer that metastasized the spine, I now have a stain that I can do on that breast cancer to say, yes, this is definitely not anywhere from the spine. This was definitely breast tissue that came to the spine, or this is not a liver tumor. This is definitely metastatic colon cancer because this stain says it derived from the colon, you know? And so you start to have these stains. I talk about those immunostochemical stains. So different antibodies, and we still see them today, new ones coming out all the time, helping us to identify certain types of tissue and distinguish them from others so that your eye had to be good, but now even if you couldn't tell where a tumor is coming from, you had stains to kind of help you out. Then over the course of my practice, I saw the molecular explosion. So now I couldn't just go in to a surgeon anymore and say, yeah, this is a lung tumor. It's a lung cancer. They say, well, that's great. It's a lung cancer, but we're probably going to have to treat this patient with chemotherapy. I need to know what kind of chemotherapy. So I need to know the molecular makeup of this lung cancer. So you hear a thing about, RAS mutations or ALK gene rearrangements and all these different fancy things that we do now so that there is a comprehensive report. It's not just my diagnosis, it's also the genetic makeup of these tumors that help derive treatment for a patient. So we've been doing that. And then now here's artificial intelligence coming along saying, hey, we're gonna help you with diagnosis. We're gonna help you with some of these virtual stains, we're going to learn from tumors that have had all this molecular testing done on it to tell you that this is most likely a tumor that has this kind of mutation. This is really going to move things forward and really improve speed. So we know a patient who doesn't get on chemotherapy beyond six weeks after diagnosis starts to have a survival issue. We need to get that therapy 
sooner than later. All this technology is going to provide these diagnoses and these critical information sooner so that we can get the patients treated sooner, which means they're going to do much better. Their tumors are going to respond better. So all of this is where we're at today. Where are we going to be 10 years from now? Again, I think it's going to be more, more of everything. We're going to have more insight into genetic changes in tumors that we can have drugs that have little or minimal side effects that we can target these cancers and kill them off. And we're going to do that with a host of different things, not only the molecular testing and the research and development going on in the background, but also artificial intelligence that's learning from these studies to help us identify these cases sooner at the time of the microscope rather than weeks or so down the road after a diagnosis is made. And as I said, I think that it'll become standard where pathologists are never really just rendering a diagnosis by themselves. They always have some kind of algorithm that's looking over their shoulder to concur with those diagnoses. And you figure if we have computers that are doing the measurements and analyzing these other features that we put into our cancer reports, it means the consistency from one pathologist to another is going to be greater because the computers are going to align. And so our grading is going to be more accurate from pathologist to pathologist. All these other things that are important in what an oncologist used to treat these patients will be improved. And so, again, when we talk about big issue equity in healthcare, we want to make sure that all these patients with the same types of tumors are getting treated the same and unifying and being more accurate and more consistent in our diagnoses from pathologist to pathologist is going to help in that endeavor for sure. Darren, as we close, what do you want to leave us with? You've talked about networking, patient care, algorithms, the molecular generation, new stains, health equity. I mean, pathology is the thread that connects all of us in medicine. What do you want to leave us with? I would say the most important thing is we shouldn't be afraid of this technology. I don't want any patient to think that some computer with no emotion diagnosed their cancer. There will always be a pathologist at the helm. I would want to leave the audience with this. If you have a cancer and you have an expert in that cancer looking at it, that's great. And for many, they don't even get that benefit. But if you just happen to have the expert in your particular disease sitting at the hospital that you had your surgical resection from and they were looking at your cancer, that's great. But what this technology is going to offer is that they will be looking at your cancer and over their shoulder, a digital eye with the expertise of 10,000 experts in that same disease state is going to be looking over their shoulder. And I just think that is going to lead to not only accuracy and quality of diagnosis, but it's going to bring forward insights that we never had before in the ultimate treatment for that patient. And I think that's where the technology is going and it is an absolute improvement in patient care. And so we should all embrace it going forward. Well, Dr. Wheeler, I can't thank you enough. And I think the bottom line is that you truly do keep patient care at the center of everything you do. The technology supports that, but what drives you and what comes pouring through in this podcast is your intellectual commitment to your specialty, but certainly your commitment to the individual care of the patient. 
I want to thank Dr. Darren Wheeler for joining us on the show today. It was very exciting for me, and I hope you, the audience, to get some insight into his specialty and to get a better understanding of how digital pathology and artificial intelligence are revolutionizing patient care. If you've enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss another episode of Diagnostic Dialogues, Innovations and Insight, presented by Quest Diagnostics. I'm your host, Dr. Pat Aleja, and again, thank you for listening.